Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of September 2019. Perhaps it was a couple of months ago or so that I mentioned we're in a new chapter. Uh, A new chapter sounds so simple, a chapter, like turning a book's chapter. Uh, And that's a bit, really, this chapter is your whole reality. This is a a new phase in reality altogether. It's a new phase in the way you're managed. And you are managed where you know it or not. It took many, many years. Actually, you can go, some of the things I'm working on right now go back to about the 1940s, where I'm talking about the actual individuals and organizations involved with the, the, the planning of all where we are today. It doesn't happen by itself, including the computer, and including the uses that would be put to to shape behavior uh, on a world scale in a way that the public would be unaware that they're actually being nudged, as they call it. And I've mentioned uh, before in different talks about the behavioral insights teams, nudge units, and so on, and how they're working all through computer systems and technology and into social credit systems as well, by the way. It's all one. You're into a, a system that was planned long ago. To me, it's, it's not coincidental, but it is interesting to see certain people that even Epstein was involved with in the scientific communities who were part of this big superstructure, you might say above governments and so on, that actually manage and control us because he was so involved with people who were into the scientific realms of cybernetics, for instance. And cybernetics, again, is the total control of all human behavior in a sense including how they bring you to opinions and governance formulas, that kind of thing. And I won't go into it too deeply, but I have so much data on it. But it's really interesting to see that, as I've said so many times before, you have huge organizations running the world that are above politics, way above politics. Organizations that set out a long time ago to take over and be in monopoly on on everything you actually need to exist. In, in fact, uh, they control the fear business with the weather and the climate stuff and so on. And I've done so many talks on that in the past. There's no point in doing it again. Of how they actually use terror and fear and just hype up uh, this kind of stuff along with global warming to make you give up all your rights. And to terrify you, because you give up your reason in, in, the, in the process too, because of fear, to bring in a new system of totally controlled society across the whole planet under the guise of saving you all, you see. Very old agenda with, with eugenics involved and the wrong kinds of people and the right kinds of people. No one realizes that, that a lot of the stuff that even Epstein donated to and was involved with was along that line of creating, basically, really, it was to decide what makes a person intelligent or super intelligent or better than another person, put it that way straight and be a bit blank about it. And you're surprised at, uh, when you dig into the rabbit hole just what you find. But there's no doubt about it, we're, we're, we're well managed. Where we are today was planned an awful long time ago. Those in government who are elected to government, know not to inquire too deeply into the system that overarches government and actually controls it all. All they're told about is, is big names, because you're, you're given superstar-type names today. 
that are being created as superstars, even though they're basically maybe maybe on the fringes of science, even not even really into the middle of it, but with superstar promotion through the culture industry, uh, they can launch them as someone that's a genius, for instance, and you're made to follow them, and then they're given a, a really padded portfolio resume, and next thing you know, they're they're lecturing us on how we should live. Uh, that's how it's, it's that's how it's really done, folks. It's been done your whole life. But you, you didn't even know it. Most of the big shots out there that are, that are running the world right now, and you're taught to hang on their every word that they they come out and utter, because they're they're given this genius status, uh, are, are really fake. They're fake. Uh, they're just ordinary people, almost like actors in a sense. Some of them are actors, and they're given massive financial backing. Absolutely. And you'll find that, that whenever you go into them, you'll find the top intelligence services of the planet all working together to make all this kind of thing possible. A long time ago, I mentioned uh, when I first caught on to this, this thing, for instance, that the CIA was, as an example, and the few publications that came out about them. Uh, there weren't, weren't too many when I was young on the CIA, naturally. It's a Cold War era, but... Much, much later, you get some of the articles coming out by other other authors on how some of it was formed and how the CIA gave you the culture they're in today. They have, they worked on the culture across the world. It wasn't just initially Germany and Japan and the conquered countries of World War Two, but it was also to, to do with the countries of the so-called allies. The music would change. Um, the promotion of the youth. It's the time for the youth to take charge, etc. That was, it was all dreamed up in big think tanks, working for the CIA, and the foundations all working together. And as I've said so many times, when they set up the United Nations as an embryo of world government, it was not never to be a democracy of world government. It was to get things done hard and fast in a socialistic fashion that H.G. Wall talked about in Things to Come, for instance. You couldn't get that done with democracy and arguing and interviews. Fast, efficient, and so on. It's the same thing as a Club of Rome talks about, that democracy is too, takes too long to sort out imperatives and to get things working. And therefore, it would never ever work for a global system. What's amazing about all of this is that it's seldom discussed in, in, on the news. So much of it really is never taught in universities at all. Just the basic nonsense from spy movies and fiction. Not so much about reality of what these organizations are. I do remember uh, the U.S. Congress asking a few times, even way, way back, even when I was really young, but I met them talking about and asking, demanding questions from the CIA in America. And the CIA wouldn't answer and give any answers out to them under the guise of national security. And in the paper, newspapers at the time, it said that they were basically a parallel, uh, secretive, powerful government, unanswerable to anybody, as far as anybody knew. But you're dealing with an international system. It's an international system, no doubt about it. You also have big divisions of them centered in certain parts of the United States. The CIA also employs not just people in the media in the States and in the U.S., but also in Canada and other countries as well. That, that did come out publicly a few years ago. So they're involved in, uh, in so many settings. A lot of contracts in the CIA are like 
part-time contracts or temporary contracts for some. But a lot of professors, for instance, in universities are, are recruited by them. And they, in turn, can also recruit young up-and-coming students to get inducted into the CIA or other private organizations which work with the CIA. We'd be surprised at the size of this whole thing. And that's how they do it. MI6 is similar, and MI5 in Britain. They don't work on behalf of the people. I've never found them to be helping the people at all of the countries that pay their, their paychecks. There's a different agenda uh, at work. And you may be in horror to find out who's actually the heads of these organizations running the, them above the ones that are selected temporarily as, as, as figureheads, basically. But we're in a system like that. We've been in it our whole lives long. And it's, it has a different world agenda than anything you would ever imagine. They can't, I don't think they can ever allow themselves to go very far in disclosing the organizations at the very top of them because they've been uproar. If that was to, to happen, even in this jaded society of today, where we're so stuffed full of entertainment, we can hardly smile or cry to anything anymore because we're we're just overloaded with with useless fiction, basically, that programs us with all their updates and so on to make us into the uh, the proper typified person you're supposed to be, according to those who own you. And there are folk who talk about owning you in some of the organizations that I've mentioned before. And definitely, if you go into the big, big, powerful institutions that are under the guise of academia uh, that help to, to work the, the system for those who own it all. Now, to continue with what I said at the start of this talk, with the new chapter, we're not supposed to be involved in being aware of what really runs the world. There's a kind of a fake thing we're supposed to believe in, and it's a much, much lower level, and it's put out as a, a, a authorized information for the public to follow. But in reality, we're not supposed to be involved in reality at all, in fact. Not really. You're supposed to be involved in your social credit system. Be good. Here's what good is today. Don't say this, this, and this, and this. And eventually we don't even think this and this and this and this, and you'll get uh, sort of lie detector tests without even being wired up. They can do it through your computer and uh, to find out what you're really thinking, in a sense, by examining your expressions and all the rest of it and your nuances to certain things. Uh, but at the moment, you're given a bit of leeway, uh, but you, you, you are really, it's, it's increasing very, very quickly. There are organizations which are minutely studying you. All. I mentioned that years ago, the, the profiles they have on everyone. Years ago, and even the Pentagon published articles on it, where they, they have programs of containing virtual you. Everything they know about you is in the program of you. And they even run little, uh, like video games and predictive behavior uh, where they put bets on. Uh, if, if they set you up, knowing all your personality, your behavior, your likes, dislikes, and, and so on, then various traits of personality, uh, how would you behave in this or that situation? And they can run programs on you using a virtual you. Uh, and they're pretty accurate, they say, as to how you would react in the virtual world according to what they know about you in the real world. 
And they, they have everybody that they, they can get. The Pentagon had people in Canada and Britain and so on, all over the place. They're all sharing the same data. Because, you see, everyone must be predictable in a society, uh, for an ordered society. Now, under the guise of anti-war and survival uh, of society uh, agendas, they came up with these ideas and what it gets me is, is, is often the same kind of people who, who get involved in controlling people, as all actually, and deciding what's good for us and what's not good for us, etc. It, it, it doesn't matter if you call them communists or socialists or, or advocates of true socialism with the socialistic governance techniques, which really, again, is not democratic, remember. It's a system that really wants to overthrow all other kinds of systems that, that to compete with it. It would be totalitarian. It's the one that H.G. Wells and, and Bernard Shaw and many others wanted at the time. And for those who think that they were using working-class people, yes, they used them as well in the Fabian Society, but they were run by the, the wealthiest folk on the planet. Uh, you had the, the people who funded the Fabian Society, some of the groups were the, the Astor family, for instance, and many others like them. And other members, too, were what would be thought of as multimillionaires of their day, in fact, in reality, who wanted this socialistic system. Because socialism was well understood as a controlling mechanism over society that would curb wildness in basic society. Because, you see, the wars weren't caused, they claim, because of what you think they're caused by when you obey your government and you put a uniform on and go off to war. The reason you go off to war, they claim, is because you're warlike. You're too wild. But in reality, in governments, governments across the world, up to the present time, in fact, if your government orders you into uniform to go off and fight for them, they give you the choice of that if a war starts, or prison or maybe even execution if you don't go, you see. How can the people be considered wild or warlike when their only choice is to put on the uniform or go to prison in times of warfare, when the nation is, is off to war? And of course, it may only makes sense too uh, to defend yourself when you're being attacked and someone's invading you. Since World War II, and even before that, uh, the West was awfully, awfully good at invading other countries. And right through the Gulf War, too, and Desert Storm, etc. And the war since, we've gone over supposedly to give democracy to the public, pretending we're their saviors in some way. But we're invaders, and that's why you have so much PTSD. Because the soldiers have a hard time trying to rationalize why they're there. What they actually experience overcomes the basic propaganda, and they have breakdowns. So that's that's bogus. That whole that whole reason for them bringing in a totalitarian system uh, before World War Two even started, in fact, uh, which was a ploy of what was called at the time as a front two of communism. And these same people were were really devastated when Germany actually went to World War One. Uh, they were devastated. Uh, they thought they could bring in their socialist system then and control the Germans, just like they did in, in the Soviet Union at the end of World War I. Uh, they, tried to, they tried to overthrow Germany again and take over 
And then when World War, in the 1920s and 30s, there were, there were in fury, actually, again, that they had resistance inside Germany from communist takeover. And they tried a couple of big attempts at overthrowing Germany. And, of course, Adolf Hitler came along. And before that, even, in fact, they had mass pitched battles in the streets between different factions of communists uh, and the socialists fighting people who still wanted a German country. Nothing's ever as it really seems. It's never as clear-cut as they always make out to be. And that's why it's hard to even judge what you would do if you were sent back in that era. There are people in Britain refused to, to fight in World War II who were locked up in prison for the whole war. And some folk who complained about it, that they shouldn't be involved in the war at all, were locked up just for, for, for even writing about it, that they shouldn't be, you know. So, so don't ever judge things about what, what you... You'd have to be there at the time in a situation. to make, So, how, I mean, for instance, in psychology, if you have, say, a principle like killing is bad, killing people is bad, Whatever you looked at would have to have the same principles applied. Killing is bad in this situation, killing is bad in that situation. Uh, you might make an exception for if you're killing, if folk invade you and they're going to kill you. You say, okay. So you, you worked out the parameters of, of your, basically your principle, and you'd have to stick to it. So how come it was good to go and fight those wars, for instance? And don't forget that, that, that um, Britain had... Uh, part of his empire involved. They had, they had Australia involved, New Zealand involved. They had India involved, uh, who were fighting too. They had Indian regiments and Sikh regiments and so on, all involved in World War One. And so you you see that is that good or bad? You see, and you, if you were alive at the time, you might say, well, well, why on earth are you bringing all these people into a war that's got nothing to do with them, and it'll cost them financially, it'll cost them with with, with lives. And so on. But but how can it, that all that be okay in a sense? But we, we stand up and think that uh, those who protested Vietnam were good. But th- those who protested World War One and Two were bad. You see what I'm saying? Our principle is either always the same, or it's bogus. You'd have to be around at the time to even decide what you're going to do. You might want to leave the country altogether and just shake your head with it. Because you know uh, that the wars are pre-planned. And that which comes out of the wars is never what you think is going to be. Even if, you're, if you think, even if you swallow the, the, the stuff that you're going to be invaded and believe it, and then you find out that it's not true. That you, so you go off and invade other countries in the process. You'll suffer. Your culture is never the same at the end of a war. Carl Quigley said it through the countless uh, studies I've done on it that all sides that participate in the wars, doesn't matter what side you're on, suffer completely with, with cultural changes and degradations and alterations and so on. And that's inevitable. And, and at the end of World War II, as I say, Britain was devastated. The people were devastated. Most of the folk in Britain, remember, were working-class people. And they didn't vote. They didn't get to vote to go to the war. As I say, you either put a uniform on or, or you went to prison. There's your choices, no. But a lot of folk really didn't want the war at all. And they didn't fall for the propaganda that was getting shoved out there by the bucketful. You get talk now, they're trying to get the European Union army underway. They've been trying for years to get, get it going. But it's so corrupt, the EU, it's one saving grace, it's so corrupt. With the, the commission at the top, the commissars, that actually run it all. 
that folk don't even know who they are. It's so secretive. But uh, some of the names have come out, and it's, 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 well, I'll just leave it at that. But it's interesting to see uh, that they're so corrupt that they know darn well that every country involved is going to get gouged to the hilt to pay for the, any army they ever create. It'll be a thousand times more than it's actually costing to, to keep it all going. So we're run by a system planning a future. Corrupt as it is, and, and you'll always find it so corrupt. That that's what I've always noticed. But this, all these, where it was given as idealistic systems are so incredibly corrupt. So incredibly corrupt. They put out front multi-billionaires here for you to follow, as I say. Front people. That's what they are. And then they give them a, a, a huge promotion, massive promotion, endless promotion. It costs like millions in itself to promote them as some kind of superstar geniuses, which they are not. But their job is to shape the way that the, the world's all coalescing into one system of information flow, technological flows, and also how all governments are adapting to the same agenda, which they all sign on to, not just under sustainability and all the rest of it, the United Nations and the biodiversity treaties, etc., 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 but also to make sure they're all on board with it. That, so you can't have any separate or different system running a, a show in any country. It's uniformity. It's the first thing you see in even socialism, uniformity. It was very evident in the Chinese system, where Ma, where Mao Zedong was the leader, the great Mao Zedong, and they had the, the uniform. It was like it was like a, people in the West used to joke. It was like pajamas in a sense, with the blue tunic and the, and the high collar type thing, and uh, the blue uh, flowing wide pants as well. Like a uniform, and everyone at the time had to wear the same kind of outfit. Uh, uniformity shows itself in many ways. It isn't just; it's also in behaviour. It, it's again leading to what became the behavioural insights uh, management. Don't think that came out of the blue either, with all these supposed. Uh, psychologists and behaviorists working on creating a new you or, or altering you or shaping you and the children, etc. It was all planned a long time ago. But uniformity is awfully important. So, and, or, so that whenever you, you, you draw a list of hot topics, for instance, or even vague topics to children, uh, of, say, a, about a dozen topics, just headlines, and get their answers to it. They'd either red flag them or whatever. They're going to get treated right away in case they ever start to have their own self-think, their own think, and start to understand what's happening by themselves in a certain area, which they're not supposed to. Because now you're supposed to feel bad about certain things, always bad about it, even if you had nothing to do with them. Just feel bad about this, this, and this, and this, and this. And if you don't feel bad, there's something wrong with you. You see, you can't control someone if they don't feel bad about things that they had nothing to do with. You must create fake guilt things to make them terribly guilty about it all, including destroying the planet. and all. Make them guilty for just feeling, being alive, in fact. So that those who are your new, you call it reasoning appendages, the organizations with the right people who are there outside your brain can then fix you and, and run all of those topics for you, but you, you shouldn't even be thinking about them, except in a guilty way. That has to make sure that everyone is totally mind-controlled. 
what we're under today. Don't forget that Gorbachev, Michael Gorbachev, who was the head of the Soviet Union at the end, when he eventually was given his own kind of variation or variety of the socialistic Green Party type agenda and the Presidio, he was given the Presidio to work in an ex-military base in, in the States, in California, I think it was. And uh, they brought him over from the old Soviet Union and they set him up there. And he was quite blatant about it with all the ghostwritten books that were done for him. Because everybody today writes ghostwritten books. For those who don't know that, uh, it's, uh, it's the end thing. It's been the end thing for an awful long time. But he, he made it quite plain that they said, I am an atheist, he said. And it was, it was, a, it was a kind of like almost a school book for children, which he was doing it in an old Soviet-style way, which they, they talk so simplistically in a paternal way down to the children, you know. And they were asking him about his beliefs and religions. He said, why? Well, I'm, an, I'm an atheist. He says, I don't believe. And later on in the same very short book, he says, we must create a new religion for the world, a green religion, he said, based on Mother Earth, an earth-based religion, he said. So he's an atheist telling you how he and other controllers had planned the future for you to believe in something which they themselves, they don't believe in it, but they must create a religion because religions are awfully, awfully important. That's why Matt Seton, again, said he wasn't afraid of weaponry. Although he said power came from the barrel of a gun, but he wasn't afraid so much of weaponry to oppose China in his day. He said that he was afraid of a big idea, and often a religion is often referred to in occultic circles as a big idea, including their own religion in occultic circles, for those who don't quite understand that or know it. Uh, so you understand, you, 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 the saddest thing today is to see that billions of people across the world are trained and taught in, with scientific techniques upon themselves to ensure they'll never break free into a pure ability to self-reason things out. Uh, that's the power of, of mass communication today, and mass psychology and so on across the world. It, it's perfected. And of course, in the Western countries, it's even way more perfected. I think you'd have more chance actually going into India today and to rule India if you want to hear anything that's maybe original or different. If you actually gave them scenarios, like little test scenarios, and asked them, if you were in this, this and this and this and this happened, what would you, what would you do about it? You find you might find really startling answers because you're conditioned not to think beyond the standard parameters you've been brainwashed with. But they might, if they're still wild and free, because once again, getting way back, way way back to the groups that were set up before World War Two and during and after World War II, it, it all came together, given more power, in fact, through big meetings. And they would shape the cultures of the world, and they would shape what we would be taught, what we would not be taught, and so on, including the techniques that would, must be taught, like guilt, to be obedient, and so that we'd never, ever think in a wild fashion again. You find that Charles Galton Darwin, I mentioned, I think, last week, week before, he wrote the next million years, but he said, we, the leaders of the world, the, the true leaders, the scientific elite. And that's how the Darwin family still referred to themselves, including two the, the relatives of the, the Huxley family, that they were a scientific elite, like, like intergenerational. Some families were dominant minorities with the money and finance and, and ability 
mental acuity to manage uh, finances across the whole planet. But underneath them would be the scientific and academic uh, elite uh, that would run it all for them, including uh, scientists of the mind. But Charles Galton Darwin said, getting back to the war scenario, that we, he said, we, the, the leaders, the, the, the elite leaders, are, are the captains of the ship or the ships that run the world. He said, we must remain wild men, unrestricted, he's talking about, unrestricted by, by normative conventions of society and culture, and do whatever it takes to survive and manage this planet, Earth, you see. He says, but the rest of the public uh, must be managed completely, almost like a captive people. Uh, Charles Galton Darwin believed that an elite should rule the world, a psychologically stable elite. And of course, they would have their own definitions of that, of course. Uh, but he also said uh, that the better type of ruler would be someone who's completely dispassionate, like a scientist. And uh, they, they would be impartial to all the, the terrible things they'd have to do in humanity, like killing millions, maybe even billions, to across the world, if that was ever necessary. And who could do it uh, dispassionately without cracking up with conscience, basically. And he wasn't far off from the truth from those who really rule the, the planet. But he also talked about creating a better type of human. Uh, although he said that it would take so long to do so uh, in natural selection and so on, or even specialized conditioning for selection, uh, then he said that uh, they'd have to, in other words, dumb the people down, the general population down with the IQ, uh, debase them of any higher sensibilities. They would, they would naturally, as we all know from the think tanks that he was involved in too, because he knew Russell and the Macy groups and all the other groups were given uh, a lot of uh, power and financing from governments and the private foundations to create a new culture for society. It's already here, you're seeing it, you're in it. Uh, they, they would promote sexual promiscuity, uh, but with the absence of children. In other words, to debase and debase and debase society if you hypersexualize people too, they don't have much time for higher philosophical reasoning <laughs> uh, and, and not much care for it either, for that matter. Narcissism, as, as Russell also said, uh, as well as the Charles Gottender, but narcissism and hedonism could be promoted, you see, and with using drugs uh, and injections, they could lower the IQ. And, uh, and bring it to pass. So a whole generation could simply die off without having children, or at least having live births, put it that way. All candidly published in their own books. It's quite fascinating. But Charles Galton Darwin, he, he really believed that, uh, that they, and he said that in his, his book, The Next Million Years, he says, we, the, the rulers of the world, basically, are the captains, and therefore we have to guide the ship, and we have to be wild men. Uh, uninhibited with normal conventions in order to save uh, something of the of the people uh, the, the superior people and, and the planet itself in terrible situations in crisis situations so look around you folks look around you at society 
and I feel more sorry actually for, for older people who at least have, have enough experience of society and life to see the radical changes that didn't happen by themselves. Nothing ever does. And nothing is allowed to happen in society unless the elite rulers advocate it and allow it to happen and permit it. It's the way it's always been from even ancient Greece. They talked about it, that nothing, Plato, Plato talked about it, nothing's allowed in society unless those at the top permit it to happen. Therefore, I've done so many talks years gone by in the culture industry and and, and the, the pop to rock and then to... to to rap, basically hip hop, and then rap, and and now you've got this strange. Uh, it's not. It's, it, they try to because it's stuff. It's real music, but it's not. It's real at all. It's an, a no culture music. It's meant to be international. It's to eliminate any any semblance to to old music of Europe, for instance, and for for a whole new world culture. That's, and so you can't even. There's no real real melody to most of it. So there's nothing to remember. Which is interesting too, isn't it? And a, a society is trained to always grasp desperately anything that's new, uh, and but never reflect on the past because you can't find it anymore. Isn't that amazing when you think about it that way? So you're living in a system uh, completely managed, and it, 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 nothing is what it seems to be. Uh, and if you understand it too, you can be a threat. Like that. you're, you're still a wild man, according to the Darwin type group. And you should be dumbed down and, and and sexually crazy and taking lots of drugs and not having children. And that's a good citizen. Just be happy, narcissistic, enjoy, hedonistic, enjoy yourself and, and die off. And that's what, exactly what's going to happen, you see. It's happening now. And that's why you've got the, the, the massive push for legalizing all kinds of drugs. Why would you do that if you want to sustain society as a functioning System. Well, of course you wouldn't. You, you would do it to destroy society, to bring in something new along the way as they're all dying off and going crazy. Hmm? But again, it dumps people down. If you're on drugs all the time, I don't care if it's prescribed or, or street drugs. If you're on psychoactive drugs at all, it's going to have an effect on you. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I've done a lot of research too into those in the military and the types of drugs they've been put on because of post-traumatic stress syndrome. Which really means it's your conscience catching up because you're not really meant to go and kill strangers for no reason. You know, this isn't the white hat, black hat old idea that was advocated by the leaders of the Bush era. They tried to get the black hat and, 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 and white hat uh, propaganda put out there against the Arabs, basically. Well, they was obviously, they were terribly bad people. And therefore, we're the white-hatted guys, and, you know, like Mr. Strauss that taught them that the whole theory. That group that was in at the time, and of course we went into tremendous, awful wars, and we're still, well, pay, well that's finished off Europe by for the mass migration that came out of the wars. I wouldn't stay in those countries if they're all going to get obliterated, would you? Of course you wouldn't. And that's the intention of it. It's a domino effect, but it's played on the chessboard. So plan in advance. Anyway... You're living through a system now, it's been taken down drastically because you're, you're getting to the end of what was, I mentioned many years ago in the 90s in fact, that a service economy brought in through free trade with the manufacturing to be shipped offshore 
uh, with all the levels of income that that provided for people, making anything at all from a, a knife and fork cutlery, basically, to anything at all from raw material. That's one whole section of labor and manufacture. Uh, and then and taxation, and then passed on the raw material, like, like ingots of metal and so on, passed on to the the next step up to, to, to car manufacturers, to cutlery makers, to all kinds of things. That's the second level there too. And then all the different uh, levels put in from, from the, the, even to make a car, all the different the companies and corporations to make one car, all the different components, you see, as an example, or any other product, again, Millions and millions of jobs just tossed out the window and they're supposed to just fit into some kind of new service. Well, a service economy already existed. So now they're all either retired off on welfare, the people who would work in these different organizations, or trying to get work on the internet. That's a service economy. And and the stores, the few stores that are remaining, simply buying the products from from abroad and... um, and pass them around from the middlemen to the, to the companies that sell them and so on. That's a service economy. You're not manufacturing anything anymore. And you're meant to be interdependent so that you cannot manufacture and be so completely dependent on everything you actually need. You don't even make clothing anymore in the West. Nothing. So when you're, when you're being brought down to a state of helplessness, really helplessness, it's intentional. And it's written into their charters at the United Nations and their, and their free trade agreements to be interdependent. You see that word everywhere, uh, to make sure that you could never um, be self-sustaining and then be a threat to anybody else. That's how they, that's how they phrase it, basically. You know? yeah. So independence is a threat to being conquered by someone else that you don't even know exists, but they certainly do. <laughs> In the con game, eh? But again, back to what I'm saying... It all ties together, all fits together, and, and now it's the time to, to, to drug you, to bring you down into the super soma stage. And that's where we are now, of course, as they really, really promote all the, all the street drugs, and big time. Uh, it's good for you now. Suddenly they're good for you. Tar is bad if you smoke it, but it's okay you smoke the tar from, from uh, hemp, you know, and from marijuana. That's good tar, even though it's a lot thicker and blacker than cigarette tar was. <laughs> but as long as you have the, the, all the, the different politicians with shares uh, in the big companies that they're selling you, it's suddenly good. It's made it all holy again. That's holy smoke, you see. And all the other street drugs, too, they really, they really do. It's been mentioned here in Canada from the top. They want to eventually, they floated the idea, they want to eventually uh, legalize all drugs. That, that's the whole lot. That's heroin, that's cocaine, the whole lot. You need it. On you go. Now, it isn't just that. Tie it in with the, with the hypersexualization of society, which is, again, part of the format of taking down societies completely. As you go down, it must be chaos, remember. You must go into chaos so that those who control it all manage it and bring out you into the new. They bring order, a new order out of all the chaos. It'd be nothing like the old system of free will, free choice. And and uh, free opinion, for that matter, has been outlawed as we speak. And so that that will enable them to bring in a new system where we can't go on like we've, we've been going on. We can't go on like this. There's too much chaos. So here's the new system, and you get rations for everything, and you get credit rations. As I said, they'll get held up if you're bad uh, by your, your social credit score, and they'll tell you if you're bad because you didn't 
you weren't sociable. You didn't you didn't attend a social meeting this weekend. And so I mentioned this way back in the nineties. Isn't that amazing? And here we are, we're all living through it as it, it gets implemented. You get bad points for not turning up at a a, a community meeting, a communitarian thing. You see, you're part of your community. <laughs> It's, it's really is fascinating to, to see all. Anyway, as I say, there, there, there's not enough time in the time I'm, I've got here to do things. But you find that Charles Galton Darwin, as I say, a scientist who helped create the atomic bomb. So he, he contributed a lot to his society that loves slaughtering millions of people. But he says, it's not useful to give any consideration to differences of race. In every race, there are highly intelligent people and very stupid ones. And all mankind display the same characteristics of pugnacity, ambition, envy, laziness, selfishness, and unselfishness, loyalty, kindliness, sociability, sense of humor, and so on. And there are, of course, obvious differences in behavior between individuals on account of differences of condition and of training or education. But in his, his next chapter, he goes into the, the whole point about the wild man and the useless, basically the useless eaters that Russell also talked about, which is, by the way, in a, a service economy, huh? when there's no work, that's most of the public. Huh? There you go. Planned a long time ago. These characters worked at big world think tanks, not as a hobby, folks, and they signed declarations for the Department of Population at the United Nations. And that Department for United Nations was financed and set up by the Rockefellers, who were all in favor of all this stuff, by the way. You're living through agendas that you never get a chance to vote on, and most folk never even hear about. It's astonishing to me that, that, that we, how we just comply. It really is astonishing. This article here, psychiatrist in Vancouver will soon uh, begin a, f- a phase three clinical trial of MDMA, a hallucinogenic drug commonly known as ecstasy for patients suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. So let's give them hallucinogenic drugs and, and watch what happens to them getting all better. And so the treatment consists of three monthly eight-hour sessions under the influence of MDMA interspersed by nine 90-minute sessions without it. And it's historically significant to see the researchers involved. I'm sure they will say it in the for grants. Because it marks the first time in more than four decades that uh, a legal psychedelic drug has been clinically tested in Canada. And that isn't true at all either, by the way. Yeah. It says that the phase three clinical trial is typically the last phase of review a drug undergoes before it's approved for public use. I hope you understand, too, uh, that uh, this this is a drug, uh, along with other stuff that they, they give the, the people to the youngsters now, where they, they'll they'll have sex all night long, just on the go, like a mass orgy sort of thing, basically. And they'll take cocaine with it and a whole bunch of other things too. So it's interesting, uh, there's a movie put out, it's really wildly uh, hyper-sexualized, naturally it's a movie, it's called Urge, U-R-G-E, Urge. I think it's probably after the Demi-Urge, because uh, in uh, kind of... Uh, Old histories of ancient cultures, they had, the, in especially Greece, they had the Demiurgos, and, and it's sort of like a lower type god that was in charge of the planet, and there's different ones above them. But the, the Demiurgos often has to do with um, eradications, you know, periods of chaos. So I guess that's really wrapped into the, I, I presume that's what's wrapped into the, to the movie. But it's, uh, lots of sex and lots of sex and, s- and nothing but drug taking. And, and urge itself is a super, super drug, a combination of all these particular drugs together. 
and uh, folk have all kinds of sex. Total chaos. And they go crazy and start killing each other as usual. That kind of stuff. So uh, for those who haven't got a clue, maybe watch that one if you can stomach it. And it's not for children, the actual movie itself, naturally. Or maybe these days it is, I don't know, because the children have been so hypersexualized and it's getting worse at school, as you know. You actually get black marks for mentioning that. <laughs> it's getting worse in school because they're promoting it. Uh, that's your that's your socialistic system, for yeah. Anyway, so they're starting this phase here and so on. So they want them to hallucinate. Let's get them hallucinogenic drugs for people who've got mental problems. That's just what you want to see in society, isn't it? Walking down the street, say. FDA, Food and Drug Administration, approved ketamine. Ketamine, right? Nasal spray cuts depression symptoms in 24 hours. So they say, hmm? But experts are concerned about the potential for withdrawal symptoms. Oh, really? They've never been worried before about that. Generally, they just denied them for years. Even Valium they did that, denied it for 30 years that had physical side effects and withdrawal. It was all psychological, even though hospitals saw them coming in to, and having uh, literally convulsions uh, on withdrawal from Valium and Valium-type drugs. So anyway, esketamine nasal spray appears both effective, fast-acting for treatment, resistant depression, but questions still remain about the drug safety. And uh, again, a phase three clinical trial of the drug this week in the American Journal of Psychiatry designed to test the efficacy and safety of uh, Spravato, the FDA-approved esketamine nasal spray developed by Janssen Pharmaceuticals. So uh, there you go with it too. The most common side effects, they say, is dizziness, disassociation, or dissociation, as they call it. Dysgesia, which is a change or distortion in sense of taste. Uh, vert- Maybe they'll give it to the rotten food we're getting now, as they, because uh, there's no taste to the stuff we're getting at the moment. The meat, you don't know what kind of meat you're eating at all. Vertical uh, nausea were the most common side effects of the drug. Most tended to occur shortly after dosing and cleared up within 90 minutes. However, dissociation might not clear up. <laughs> you can do a lot of stuff that you shouldn't do in dissociative states, basically. But anyway, the consensus of the study was that overall the drug was safe and tolerable. Right? So there is a boon to a subset of patients who suffer greatly, etc. So that'll be all in the market. You'll see that all over at the parties, the nasal spray shortly of this stuff, obviously. That's ketamine. There you go. You read up on ketamine. Lots of stories on that. And mental health is getting the psychedelic treatment that's here. Mm. You've been working to develop uh, a new way to treat people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder using the psychedelic drug MDMA or ecstasy. How can this drug help people with PTSD? And then they go on to answer all the wonderful things that they might be able to do with it. MDMA-assisted psychotherapy uses MDMA to improve the effectiveness of psychotherapy for PTSD. There you are. Significantly, the treatment involves only two or three administrations in conjunction with, again here, I said it would happen, with psychotherapy in a controlled therapeutic setting. Now, there'll be other drugs added as will go on with the testing, you see, and a 12-week course of psychotherapy. It can decrease fear and defensiveness while increasing trust. Isn't that a wonderful thing to give to the public if you want to dominate them, eh? It'll decrease fear and defensiveness while increasing trust. Increasing tr- Think about this, increasing trust and empathy. Remember what, what uh, it was Aldous Huxley mentioned on, on the, 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 his interview on television? 
that we had long ago with Mike Wallace. And he says that with these techniques that could be coming down the pike, and he's talking a long time ago, he said, it, and he mentioned drugs too, and, and other psychotherapy techniques, basically, or psychological techniques. He said it make, make, make the people go along with things and accept things that perhaps they shouldn't accept, meaning for their own good. What, so read this here, and it says, could decrease fear and defensiveness while increasing trust and empathy. And it also opened a window of tolerance in patients undergoing uh, psychotherapy for PTSD, enhancing the effectiveness of psychotherapy. It uh, reduces activity in amygdala, the brain region that helps regulate fear and anger, which you actually need in fight and flight and so on. Fight or flight is, is a necessary survival mechanism. And anger, which is often overactive in PTSD patients. So there you go. Long article, actually. You can read it yourselves. Then they go on to the same article about how many states have already, in the U.S. and Canada, I think, across the board, have legalized medical or recreational marijuana. So they're all competing now, you see. I guess now they've got, they, they can get big companies for, for marijuana. Now they're just the big companies for for all the other drugs that they could, they could push as well. It's this time now when they've got permission to drug the whole population. Eventually it'll be mandatory, by the way. You'll be ordered to, to take these medications. They've already done this with patients before over the years who, and when they're in court and the judge orders them to take a particular drug. They've had articles like that in the newspapers. Well, it'll come down the pike that you'll be ordered to take these particular drugs. Because you're living in a system where you're a pyramid of profiteers above you, you see. And the psychedelic evangelist, a German financier, wants to turn magic mushrooms into modern medicine. Well, if he's a financier, he's already a magician if he's cooking the books. His name is Christian Angermeyer. Is an unlikely proselyte of psychedelic, psychedelia, they call it. The German financier didn't drink so much as a sip of beer for the first three decades of his life. But five years ago, after careful consideration and encouragement of a personal physician, Angermeyer boarded a yacht with a handful of his closest friends, sailed into the crystalline tropical waters of a jurisdiction in which substances are legal. He's very emphatic on this point, and his very first psychedelic trip and his entire worldview was changed. It was the single most meaningful thing I've ever done or experienced in my life. What a boring life this guy's had, eh? Really, eh? Or something that's artificial is the best thing that ever happened to him. So anyway, so today with a net worth of roughly $400 million, accrued through various enterprises, I am sure, Angermeyer is one of the, the driving forces between the movement to turn long-shunned psychoactive substances, like the psilocybin, they call it, magic mushrooms, into approved medications for depression and other mental illnesses. So there you go. It's a, it's a usual thing. They, they give you some maybe imagined story, put it that way. That's polite enough huh? as an excuse to start flogging the stuff to you to make a massive profits off it. And... Um, so they might help you with depression again and other mental illnesses, though he still resolutely won't touch even a drop of alcohol. He's banded together with a team of like-minded entrepreneurs. Now, guess who? Including Silicon Valley billionaire Peter Thiel to invest in a handful of startups focused on developing psychedelics. Small world, eh? There you go. And the madding saga of how an Alzheimer's cabal thwarted progress towards a cure for decades. Yeah. 
There you go. So just just amazing. We're all, everybody's been wrong all along. It's good to have folk walking down this. You've seen them occasionally when when they closed down the, the mental hospitals years ago. You, you would see them on the streets yelling at beings in the in the air around them and things like that. You know. So it's a good thing to to be like that. And here you go. A time when there's no work and there's going to be less work. A time when inflation's through the roof and it's to go even higher until the crash, the planned crash comes, because it's planned and it's planned for a different reason than you think. It's for another form of control for the next chapter again, the new system and the new way of living and sustainability all tied in. But don't worry, you'll get all these drugs, and you could, you could, if you're really bored and depressed, you could find yourself just walking happily on the surface of the moon in your head, in your mind. There you go. How's that? At the same time, the White House in the U.S. considers a new project seeking links between mental health and violent behavior. So here you go again with uh, the Behavior Insights teams with more uh, ability to directly fl- flag everybody who is not. I'll start off with, with violent behavior. Again, it's, just, it's to train yourself, police you. So you don't even say, oh, I hate so-and-so, I wish blah, blah, blah. It's to train you eventually even not to even think that. It's just like, this is something to get off your chest. You can't even say that anymore. That will red flag you until you, you're literally living in, in a very fake, fake system, uh, all designed by your behavior modification and insights teams. So that's your, that's your, true, that's your true future here, folks. And they'll use all kinds of perhaps real things to ha- happen as an excuse to advance it all. But the intention has always been here. To, to They always use crisis or pretended crisis to take over everything, including, of course, the climate thing. The U.S., look at the history of the islands. And, for instance, they've been hammered by hurricanes right now. They've always been in, in, right in the path of the hurricanes for as far as we ever know. And many of these islands never had anybody on them before the people came in to make the plantations because the people who used to travel all these different areas might come at certain times of the year, but they knew from long, long histories you don't live there during hurricane seasons because they get wiped out. But it happens in today, and, and because this is the agenda to terrify the public, like you've never had hurricanes before, even though it's an annual thing, you hype up and hype up and hype up because you've got to get it through the folks' heads that there's too many of people that's the whole agenda here. There's, it's never to do with actualities. It's the fact there's too many of you, as far as they're concerned, a la Charles Galton Darwin's idea and all his kin and all the ones in the think tanks with them and their descendants today uh, who are running it all. There's still too many of you, way too many, and they've got to cull you off one way or another. And to do that, you've got to have a different society, create the chaos and crisis till it's unsustainable, really unsustainable, and then come in with the new laws and rules. It's very obvious, for you haven't got it yet. And I won't even go through all the previous documentation from the, the IPCC, from the United Nations, and all the associated NGOs that they fund, uh, very well, by the way, uh, to, get, to give the impression that you're in a crisis. You're not in a crisis with the weather. And, and certainly they can, they can alter the weather. Even you know, the, the military admits to all that stuff, but... We're not causing the problems. That's the bottom line. Don't let yourself be blamed for it. You're not causing it. And therefore, no one has the right to demand that you live the way they're going to dictate to you that you must live. If, you're going to, if you want to think that, really still believe that you're free in any way at all. 
social credit coming to the U.S. Report claims a score system similar to China's are being used increasingly by Silicon Valley companies. And they're turning uh, to social scoring systems to judge users' report claims. Uh, they're talking mainly about your financial backing and, and all the rest of it here and your score and credit and all that. You know. But in reality, too, as you well know, social uh, credit scores are to do with your personality, what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you should be doing according to the state. Because the state is your god in the coming system. And in socialism, that's what your state is. It'll have no god before it. That's why the West has, has always been hammered. And folk have fallen for it. Uh, believe you me, if you don't have a religion uh, that, that can stand against it, then you're in dire troubles because your, your government and science is going to be your religion. And, of course, they are, they are terrible gods to be under, science and government. Believe you me, you need something to counter it. And something you stand up and demand and, and just say to them, no, you can't do this. And But if it's all gone, but not, why do you think they've been hammering religion for so long? They can have no other gods before them. That's the reality of it. And an article here too, just to end all this, the doorbell camera firm called Ring, R-I-N-G, teams up with 400 police forces extending surveillance reaches. That's in the Washington Post. And so they go into the the fact that the, the, this apartment has cameras that the, has the comings and goings of everybody in the house and coming to the house and all that kind of stuff, or leaving the house, and they've been using it across the states in a collusion with the, with the police forces. How can anyone think that they're free in a society like this? Hmm? Really? And I guess they're dumbing us down so fast now, and the drugs are affecting people so mightily now so mightily, that uh, they are becoming more pacified, like, like they are on ecstasy, etc. More compliant and, and forgiving and trust, trusting the, uh, the folk who rule over them, etc., etc. Figures of authority. Dangerous times to be alive. Dangerous, if, if you're aware of it, most folk don't really know. They really don't, do they? That's because they're so far gone. And Australia, New South Wales prison inmates had been previously cured of hepatitis C, were being reinfected up to three times the ICE inquiry has heard. It's just drugs are just out of control everywhere. 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 If they wanted to stop it long ago, they would have, folks. But they didn't really, did they? It is on the cars. That's what they must do. Create the chaos and bring out, you know, and then you bring an order out of it. And you have the people, people pleading for, for, for order eventually. That's, that will come. I think it was Kissinger at one point made a statement and he said, because folk were complaining about the United Nations when they use your armies with blue helmets on them. They're still your armies, you know. Who, who, who's paying them? Well, you're paying them. It's your own armies. But uh, he said at a, a talk in California years ago, he said that the time will come, he said, because they're all complaining, we're not going to serve under any foreign institution, he said, the time will come under the right circumstances, you'll welcome them in to help you. That's what he said. I don't think anybody has ever had to vote Henry Kissinger. It's all all appointed. The appointed folk are far more important. The technocrats, the ones that are appointed and serve a higher authority than government. So, it says, respond to a request to consider a needle exchange program to stop infection. New South Wales Corrective Services Commissioner Peter Severin category ruled it out. He says there will be no needle exchange program. 
hepatitis C. This is at any time a third of the prison population has hepatitis C, thirty times the rate in the broader community. And the special commission is inquiries into the drug which they call ice, and uh, it's just disastrous what's happening across the world. It's just promoted through all your your culture industry, and, and there's an industry, folks. All your movies for years and years and years, and your music, you know, and, and your videos, etc. And of course, once they started legalizing, what they call them the, the, the swingers clubs, which is mass orgies and so on. Uh, then, uh, they, 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 then they go on these binges at weekends uh, of cocktails of drugs with ecstasy and others all used together to make them go on all night long and maybe all weekend long. I mean, uh, this is part of your takedown. Let's say if you can stomach it, if you, if you can stomach it, and you've got a strong constitution where, where you know yourself, you won't get uh, swayed by the images. Images, remember, are biblical in that, or I should say, biblical and religious of all kinds, an image gets stuck in the mind. You imagine things, imagine, image, image in, imagine. And certain ones to do with sex and and primal things, primal instincts are very, very potent, which they understand at the top. And uh, they, they can get fixed for life with a lot of people. You'll find that with uh, those people who have to go into sex addiction counseling and so on. Because they have particular things that they've stuck in their mind from maybe the age of 15 or even younger, I guess, maybe. And that's how it goes. Image in, imagine. And that's and you'll, you'll imagine forever until it's obsessing you. And you imagine what images used to be of God's. And you will. You'll be, this, this will be a God over you. So be very careful what you watch. But if you can stomach that movie, and most of you probably won't even need to see the movie, you, you, want, you can read a write-up on it, in fact. But in it, they certainly show you uh, scenes which are not that crazy in this day and age at the big swingers' parties and the, the big um, orgy clubs that they have. So it's, it's really all out there. And this is the age of the takedown of society, completely post-industrial. Post, you're going into post-consumerism. And you're going into, literally, massive inflation. The currencies are getting devalued with purchasing power all the time. You need more and more of the same currency to buy the same things you used to get every you know, a few years back. And it's meant to happen that way. But there's no, uh, you're getting fewer and fewer jobs with technology too at the same time. They're putting people on the basic income schemes and now you drug them. It's rather obvious what's going on, folks, if you can't figure that out. And I feel sad if you can't. But that's where we are at the moment. Anyway, remember, folks, you can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you can donate to me at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com Look at the other sites I have listed on that page These are my official sites And if anyone, if trouble get any, any one of the sites Go to the other sites there, they're all mine on that page Anything outside of that um, might be my material Getting used by other people, but it's not mine So remember you can donate to me by using my own site CuttingThroughMatrix.com or the sites listed on that page And you can find out how to do it Remember two there's different ways you can get money to me and even cash you and send or checks, etc. Because uh, it takes a lot of money. And I have never, ever gone astray. 
on what I'm doing as far as I know because I've had lots of offers to do all the, the wrong things to the wrong people and I've turned them down uh, with the wrong people, I should say, and turned them down and I am well aware, and I knew at the beginning that I came out in the 90s what was going on. They always give you your leaders people and they're run by the big high agencies. Real, real intelligence agencies are run very well and they're front people out there in all areas to to guide you round circles forever and then back to voting again. And it's terribly sad uh, that so many of the, re the real shows that used to be out there have been knocked off by awful, awful tactics used against them, by the way. And I won't even go into it, but uh, terrible tactics, even threaten threatening um, advertisers and things like that, threatening them, really threatening them to help close them down until all this, even the radio stations that went off there too. And you never guess who did it. You're always giving your leaders, and I'll, we'll leave it there for, for tonight, I guess, folks. I hope you're all getting by in these tough times. I hope you're able to take the information. I know the people who listen to me generally do. I don't give them happy, happy news, just vote for so-and-so and, -so and uh, you'll live in utopia. Uh, I just give you the, the, the basics of the reality we're living through so that you can take care of yourselves and those that you love and care for because that's important. And maybe you'll make some friends and maybe a few of you can, can help each other in the tough times that we're going through. I really hope you, you can. Uh, but even groups have got, their dynamics occur within groups. They know that from all the different uh, types of studies I've done before. When dominant ones will, will, will compete for dominance with each other and the rest of the group behind them and cause uh, dissension, etc. Sad but true. So you have to be stable people that, that have a pact and you all agree to a pact to help each other out in tough times because we're definitely going through it. And tough times, helping each other out can be psychologically even as we go through things. Anyway, from, from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me, your God, or your God's skull with you.